Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on Thursday, February 8th, 2024, I'm Gianna Volpe. Credit card users may soon be able to wave goodbye to hidden processing. Fees, Long Island authorities on Sunday, can begin enforcing a state consumer protection law that requires businesses to be much more transparent about how they're passing on those surcharges to customers. Chris Kahn reporting on Newsday.com that the law, which Governor Kathy Hochul signed December 13th, codifies previous legal interpretations from the New York State Court of Appeals and clarifies rules that merchants must follow when their customers pay with credit cards. It also authorizes local governments to enforce those rules. Previous reporting by Newsday showed that some business owners thought they were complying with the law when they weren't. Going forward, the law will require New York merchants to include credit card fees in the sticker price. They're not allowed to display just the lower cash price for an item, even if they post a sign that says they'll charge more for credit card purchases. Merchants are also forbidden from adding credit card surcharges as extra line items to a bill, which sometimes have been concealed with generic descriptions like convenience, service, or technology fees. And customers cannot be charged higher surcharges than what the merchant pays in processing fees, which can range between 3 and 5% of the price. The state's Division of Consumer Protection, which recently published additional guidance related to the new law, said businesses must list the total price of an item, including any credit card fees. Businesses that violate this law may be liable for civil penalties up to $500 per violation, according to the Division of Consumer Protection. In other news, the state, Senate, and Governor Kathy Hochul are proposing to end the copay New Yorkers are charged for insulin as part of a broad effort to cut medication prices. Michael Gormley reporting on Newsday.com that the measures seek to reduce the cost to New Yorkers at the pharmacy as well as the cost to the state for medications push, uh, purchased through the Medicaid and Medicare health care systems. Last week, in addition to eliminating the insulin copay for 1.6 million New Yorkers being treated for diabetes. The Senate's D- Democratic majority passed bills that would, uh, for example, have the state partner with drug companies to increase development of lower cost generic forms of drugs and get them to market faster. The bill would allow New York to do what California did. Uh, This past year, by entering into an agreement to manufacture insulin with a drug company, which uh, reduced the cost of a common dosage to $30 from $300, saying uh, saving individuals two to $4,000 annually. Uh, Another example, attempt to seize on a January decision by the federal government to see if the state can buy common medications from the Canadian market where prices can be a fraction of those charged by drug companies here in the States. However, federal and Canadian regulatory hurdles remain or uh, or end. Strengthen New York's buying power by joining other states to negotiate lower prices. The legislation still has to pass the New York State Assembly before it can become law. Here on the East End, East Hampton Superintendent of Schools, Adam Fine, said creating a balanced budget for the 2024-25 school year is going to be a difficult process and that piercing the state tax 
uh, levy cap is not off the table if it comes to uh, cutting the curriculum or raising taxes. Quote, the administrators have met and we've all been told what we need to do to try to make us cap compliant. But I think this year there's no reason I would sacrifice our programming to remain under the cap, he said this past Tuesday, uh, adding the most important thing for us is to maintain our academic programming across the board. Desiree Keegan reporting on 27East.com that to paint a picture of just some of the challenges the district is dealing with, health insurance fees increasing $801,000, special education costs up 637,000 retirement system fees rising $394,000. Eastern Suffolk BOCES service fees climbing $244,000. Athletic fees going up 179,000. Security costs up 125,000. And property insurance increasing by 91,000. Combined, that's $2.4 million in mandatory upcharges alone, not including Salary increases, the superintendent said the East Hampton School District is expecting tuition to drop $1.2 million because neighboring districts are anticipating sending 51 fewer students to the high school. Fine said he's foreseeing at least another 20 student decrease the following year. Then there's also the state aid proposal by Governor Hochul, which plans to cut East Hampton state aid by though that could change before the budget is finalized. The non-negotiable increases coupled with the drop in tuition and a potential state aid cut instantly puts East Hampton in a $4 million hole. And finally, the shot clock is finally coming to Long Island High School lacrosse. Owen O'Brien reporting on Newsday that the New York State Public High School Athletic Association decided on January 31st to allow any section in the state to seek permission from the National Federation of State High School Associations to adopt a shot clock on an experimental basis. Sections 8, the governing body for high school sports in Nassau County, and Section 11, the governing body of scholastic sports in Suffolk County, were granted that permission and will use a shot clock on a two-year experimental basis for varsity boys and girls lacrosse games starting in the spring of 2025. Coaches favor the move mainly because it will help high school players better prepare for the college game, which already uses a shot clock, stalling or holding the ball without making any attempt to score a goal for minutes at a time has been a hot-button topic in the Long Island lacrosse community. It's especially evident on the girls' side, which doesn't allow body checking. Reading the weather in Smithtown in honor of Long Island journalist and author Steve Mateo, joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about his new book, Act Naturally, The Beatles on Film, following yesterday's 60th anniversary of The Beatles' arrival here in the States. He'll be a panelist at this weekend's Fest for Beatles fans at JFK's Pan Am Hotel, where he'll also be signing books looking like a sunny Thursday in Smithtown with a high near 46 degrees. Calm wind becoming south around 6 miles per hour in the afternoon. Tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 34 degrees. South wind around 6 miles per hour. Right now it's 33 degrees. 
And equally in honor of Steve, uh, the Beatles and their fans, I do want to mention the Moondogs will be performing songs from Rubber Soul and Revolver on March 2nd at Bay Street Theater. And we'll be playing All My Loving, a personal favorite of mine. And the first song the Fab Four performed on the Ed Sullivan Show all those years ago. See what I did there, George? On the back of our interview with Steve during this All My edition of The Heart Morning and Midnight Show, featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, kicking off with a little Led Zeppelin. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only local NPR radio station, powered by your donations to WLIWFM.org.
vanished 30 feet from where your parents slept And I looked so confident, babe, I swear I was scared to death My hands gripped the wheel, I smiled stupid the whole way home And those five words in my head, you said I'll never let you go I sang retrograde, we'd shake the frame of your car Now I know your name, but not who you are With the pills and the dogs Until this year Stole the words from my tongue It's all okay There ain't a drop of bad blood It's all my love You got All My Love from the 22 record Stick Season after Led Zeppelin's All My Love from the 1979 record in through the outdoor. Of course, we have the Fab Four's All My Loving. Uh, On the back end of this interview, we're about to do with the one and only Steve Mateo uh, from Smithtown, I believe. He will be a panelist at the Fest for Beatles fans at JFK's uh, Pan Am Hotel this weekend, signing his new Beatles book, Act Naturally, The Beatles on Film. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Very well. Very grateful to have you on with us, especially considering yesterday's historic anniversary of the Fab Four's arrival to the States at JFK. Uh, Can we first give a shout out, though, to Kenneth Womack, because he actually asked me for an interview about his new book on Beatles roadie Mal Evans, and I chose yours for the journalistic reason that you have the stronger Long Island connection and for the timeliness of this weekend's event, but I know he was one of the first to hold the manuscript for this book, so I'd love to start by asking about your connection, and if you've read his newest, um, as I see you'd gone, what, 250 Beatles books deep by the time you finished your research for Act Naturally? Yes, and I know Ken, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, he did a book that I actually contributed to called The Beatles in Context. Yeah, and he'll be at the fest this weekend, and the the Mal Evans book that he wrote is is a great book, and I've read it, I've reviewed it, and it's, it's really great. Uh, so, yeah, Ken is a great guy. He's one of the real experts on the Beatles, along with Mark Lewison and Bruce Spizer. Yeah, we have. I told him, I said, if you have a, uh, I was like, oh, passing for now, which is new for me, because I'm always <laughs> saying yes to everyone. And I said, but let me know if you come out here to do a signing, because I want to have you on. And and if you could just talk about this research uh, for this book, because it reads like a textbook from a Ph.D. course. For the fab, on the Fab Four. I mean, there is a lot of research. I mean, I'm a journalist and I guess sort of a historian, not really a critic. 
So it, it, the research is the important thing and getting it, the story right and the facts and digging a little deeper and, you know, getting, and there's, there's a lot of context in the book yes. in terms of what other music was happening, yes. you know, what other films were happening. Cause this is a film book. It's about the five films. Yes. So and I wanted there to be a lot about the British films of the sixties in the book. It was, it was just like a mosaic. It's like if you took a portrait of the Beatles and you zoomed in to see everything and everyone who existed around, interacted, created uh, with and around them. Uh, for example, outside of finding a copy of the book once in my life, I've never once come across mention of one of my favorite films, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. And now I know Irene Lamb did the casting and that what, A Hard Day's Night was her first time? Uh, serving yes. as casting director? Yes. I mean, that's one of the things that I found is so many of these people that worked with the Beatles, not just on their films, would go on to do so many other great things. Right. And I mean, there are many people who worked on the Beatles films who would go on to work on the Lord of the Rings films, right. the Harry Potter films. I mean, it's extraordinary. It was It was so cool just to see the the real web of creative people through this time period and what was going on in in like every corner you know yes this is a book about film and and my god you learn everything about british film at that time uh, like i said it really is like a, a historic textbook but I, you know i learned so much about uh you know, uh, so many of the creators and creations I love, whether it's musicians, filmmakers, visual art, poetry, they're all logged in here and often more than passing to the point that I feel like, you know, and I forgive how it sounds, but it's bigger than the Beatles. Is, is it a common technique or, or more of your personal flavor, uh, I guess, just being a, a journalist and a historian? I mean, everybody has a different approach. Right. I mean, I just like the journalistic approach yeah. of sort of laying out the facts and telling the story and people can make their own decisions on, you know, whether they agree or disagree or like or not. I mean, I just it was so important because British cinema really explodes at the same time as A Hard Day's Night and Help are happening. You know, you have all the James Bond movies, the spy movies, all the incredible actors, you know, Peter Sellers, Michael Caine, Julie Christie. You know, the list sort of goes on and on. So the, the Beatles films are, especially the early ones, are just a, a part of this and, and very central to it. Right. And it was and it was interesting. Like, I w it was really interesting to see how central, uh, like A Hard Day's Night, for, for example, was in the context of what was going on in film. And then also about how quickly things began to change. And, and it was just like, it was, it was really fascinating, uh, you know, and yesterday was a big anniversary, you know, 60 years exactly since the Beatles landed in America. What were you doing on February 7th, 1964? I mean, I was, I was a child. I, you know, to me, as this was happening, I'm not really aware of it. I'm too young, you know? So, uh, I mean, you sort of have an idea of it as it, as it kind of unfolds later, as they get bigger and bigger in America you know, they're all over the radio right. in the in the 60s. If you're a child in the 60s, you're listening to, you know, AM radio 
and you know WABC was the big station that everybody listened to, all the kids listened to, and so all these hits are constantly on on the radio. But also, you know, the Rolling Stones and Motown and Love and Spoonful and the Mamas and the Papas. So it's just it's part of all this. But then later, as you get older and you start digging deeper into the albums, you start realizing just how important they are. And I think now, in retrospect. You know, the, the, so I, I say lately, the Beatles now are bigger than the Beatles. Right. You know, we have this, the Now and Then song gets released and it goes to the top of the charts. You know, and it's not just, you know, sort of aging baby boomers. It's young people. It's people of all ages who just respond to this music because of the quality of it. Because you just, you can't not respond to the greatness of it. I mean, most people think probably Lennon and McCartney, the greatest songwriting duo ever in popular music so the music is of that time but it doesn't date it still sounds fresh and new and they keep finding new audiences yeah i I mentioned earlier about how we have the moon dogs as a a long island uh, band of musicians and and diehard music lovers that love to perform the beatles albums straight through i don't think they're going to be doing that in uh, the March uh, second show, but they're going to be pre- presenting songs from Rubber Soul and Revolver, which you talk about uh, those two and Sergeant Pepper, and talk about. You, do you want mind t- uh, diving in a bit about those three records and uh, about their their significance, not only just for the moment, but uh, for all time? Sure. I mean, unfortunately, with the book, I. I sort of just skim over them because that's the period where they're not making films. You know, there's the period between uh, Help and Magical Mystery Tour where, you know, this is what they're doing. Right. They're really changing the game. You know, Rubber Soul is the game changer, you know, for the Beatles and for popular music. You know, it's, it's the album that really changes things. And then, of course, you know, Brian Wilson hears it, and then he makes Pet, Pet Sounds, Sounds with right. the Beach Boys. Right. 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 And then, you know, the the Beatles are making Revolver. I mean, they're still touring at this point. And, you know, for some Beatle fans and some people, critics, Revolver is actually the best Beatles album. You know, they think that one is the better one, where Sgt. Pepper is, is, you know, this conceptual psychedelic album that is somewhat tied to the era. I don't, you know, I don't know which one is the best. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to, to pick it. But I mean, these three albums in a row, you know, there are a few artists that had a run like that, you know, maybe Dylan, you know, Stevie Wonder, you know, I mean, there's so few that can create, you know, album after album after album like that, that just changes everything. I mean, now we've been listening to these albums for so many years, they're just part of, you know, our lives. But at the time, I mean, you know, the Beatles obviously were so big, you know, Beatlemania and all of that. But then to take these leaps, these artistic leaps, and sort of really change everything. You know, the album was not the significant thing until Sgt. Pepper came along. You know, it was singles. The album became the thing once the Beatles did Sgt. Pepper. Then everybody wanted to make a full, realized, you know, artistic, conceptual effort after Sgt. Pepper. You know, it's so true. I think about when I was young and and listening to my father talk to me about the Beatles and he would say the thing that's so amazing about them was how they adapted and grew and all of the different 
types of music, you know, and you talked about that part of, of, of music history and about how things were evolving so rapidly and the Beatles were evolving right there with it, you know, with all of the change. Yes. I mean, what was interesting is, you know, they're influencing the culture, but yes. then the culture is sort of influencing yes. them. You know, yes. they're, they're music fans. Right. So they're listening. And then, of course, you know, they're in London and, you know, there's all kinds of exciting music happening, you know, while they're sort of evolving in this period. You know, you know, they're hearing the Yardbirds, right. you know, they're hearing uh, Pink Floyd, they're hearing Fleetwood Mac, the early Fleetwood Mac, long before, you know, Stevie and Lindsay were in the group, long before Bob Welch and Christine McVie were in the group. Right. And so they're exposed to this. You know, the, the, obviously the, the Stones and the Beatles, they had this sort of friendly rivalry that kind of went back and forth and they were kind of influencing each other and kind of encouraging each other. And they were very friendly. They were very close with each other. So, you know, London is a very, in, in some respects, it's kind of a small town. Oh, yeah. There's no other place in I, England I couldn't like believe London. it. I thought, like, you know, just reading all of the intersections between these artists down to what was that clothing shop? That everyone went to. Well, there was Granny Takes a Trip. Yes. I mean, there was there was sort of many of them. I mean, this is the thing. You have music, film, fashion, yes. photography. Yes. You know, everything is just exploding. It's the, the baby boomers, this post-war generation that's changing the world. You know, everything is happening. It's the global village. You know, when the Beatles do All You Need Is Love on the BBC with the Our World uh, telecast. It's the first time the entire world was connected by a television satellite link up where everybody's watching it at the same time. You know, this is stuff we just take for granted nowadays. Right. But, you know, this is the this is the world truly changing. You know, it's the it's the McLuhan-esque kind of life and everything is evolving. Everything's happening quickly. But, you know, it's more like, you know, they would the culture would use the technology back then. Even I like that, nowadays, pir that pirate radio Oh my God! Right, I Radio thought that was, Caroline. And, I thought that was so cool. I hadn't. I didn't. Right, I yeah. didn't know about that part of of radio history. Right. There was very limited radio in England. It was mostly just the BBC and some independent radio, and they weren't playing any of the you know the hip young music. So these these guys got this huge boat and went offshore, and they were broadcasting pirate radio. You know, Radio Caroline and. And it was, you know, and it was exciting. I mean, they, I think Radio Caroline, if I forget if it was that one or a different one, but they were the first to play Sgt. Pepper. So, uh, you know, very exciting times. Yes. <laughs> I was amazed by how much the film and music industries were intertwined and how many planned films ultimately never came to be. What struck you most about, about that, that uh, period of time and the conditions that brought – uh, the Beatles into the film industry and uh, a hard day's night uh, to be made. You know, back then it was, you know, the Elvis movies or in England, the Cliff Richard movies that were just these kind of silly pop vehicles and the groups or the artists would just kind of sing a song at the, at the party or whatever the case may be. But with a hard day's night, the Beatles are themselves in the center of the story and, you know, very much reflecting who they are. And it's it's really very different. You I know, never it's thought about that. I never thought about that because yeah. Elvis's movies are, you know, he's a, he's a doctor, or he, you know, he's a, well. I mean, he did he did during the army, but 
you know, uh, he's he's usually a character. Right, right. So this is this is a big change. I mean, they're sort of playing themselves, and then the characters around them are not their manager really. They're these actors playing these parts. Right. And it's it's very sort of you know improvised. Not all of it, and it's very influenced by the French New Wave and the sort of black and white aesthetic of that time, you know, rather than shooting it in color, you know, like the Elvis movies or the Cliff Richard movies and making it this like lush kind of escapism, you know, it was, it was more sort of who these guys were, how they dressed, how they talked. The person that wrote the screenplay was also from Liverpool. He hung around with them and got a flavor of who they were and, you know, their life. I mean, the whole idea of Hard Day's Night of going from the hotel to the car to the stage to the studio to the TV studio was that's what their yeah, life was. They were right. sort of in this bubble at the time. And, and were you saying Cameron Crowe uh, drew inspiration for Almost Famous from that film? I mean, I think that he is the guy who sort of knows more about how to use music in movies than anybody except maybe Martin Scorsese. And I was able to interview Cameron. He was really great. And he sort of gave me a little sort of thumbnail sketch of how he felt about each five, each of the five films. And, you know, I think Almost Famous is probably more influenced by his time as a Rolling Stone reporter. He was like a 16-year-old kid, right. you know, writing for Rolling Stone in the 70s. So I think I think that is, that film is probably more uh, influenced probably by the 70s, you know, the, you know, the bell bottoms and the blue jeans and, you know, California and, and more of that sort of thing. No one does do it better than Scorsese, do they? I mean, the way he uses film, the way he uses music right. in film, I mean, right from Mean Streets on, I mean, he has a way of doing it. And then he's done these incredible, you know, he did the Shine a Light, the, the Rolling Stones. I mean, my favorite, you know, music movie of all time is actually probably The Last Waltz, you know, oh, and that's yeah. Marty Scorsese oh, yeah. who directed it. And right. you know, I had a chance to interview Robbie Robertson a couple of times. Did you? you know, talk to him about it. Yeah. Tell me. And about tell working me. with Marty. Tell me everything, well, he's, please. He's, I mean, Robbie, uh, you know, unfortunately recently passed away. Yes. I mean, he's been for years the music director of all the films, basically. He creates all the sort of, you know, uh, score, you know, the music scores. And, you know, they were just big. Both of them were big fans of film. Right. I mean, they would literally just spend days like, you know, watching movies and watching like Louis Bunuel films. And, you know, it's uh, he, he's a, he's an interesting guy. Robbie is a great talker. I mean, he can he can just talk for hours. It was great hanging out with him, and and I've had a chance to interview Levon Helm too. And they're great guys, those guys. I'm trying to I'm trying to see. I thought I read a book that um, yeah about Robert Johnson that um, Scorsese had a hand in. But I'm not okay, sure. Okay, I think what you I think what you're thinking about maybe there was a series on PBS where they did individual um, movies on all different aspects was, of of music, and I think maybe Scorsese might he I I don't yeah, remember was, which one he Martin did. There was Martin Scorsese presents the blues with Robert Johnson, but right, that's I'm what thinking, you're yeah right. I'm thinking of a book. It was like I think there was a companion book to the to it. Oh, I it was, think maybe this oh, is a long time fantastic. ago. Yeah. But, I mean, he keeps doing – I think he did the recent David Johansson film. Um, you know, he's done a lot of – you know, he did the George Harrison um, film, which is incredible. I'm sure you, you've I seen loved, that. I loved George's appearances in the book. 
uh, you know, he's. Uh, I just, I just adore him, uh, and he he did very well. I mean, speaking of the Beatles on film, uh, they loved him. He was, he had the a balance of of being real and, uh, you know, not giving too much or or not enough. And at first, McCartney, they were a bit wary because he was so polished, right? He was. Yes. He he knew a lot of actors, and you know he. I guess there was uh, not that like the magic. You know he he had a bit of a wall up. I guess. I, I mean, I think what it was was you know Ringo was just a natural actor. He was just Ringo, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think with John and and George, they were just being themselves. Right. And then Paul was dating Jane Asher, who was an actress. Right. And Paul was very sort of ensconced in all the sort of what was going on in the arts in London, you know, all the new underground films and going to the theater and being in with those people. So the fact that he kind of had some of this knowledge and background, it almost sort of worked against him. He was a little, you know, sort of, you know, self-conscious. And Paul is sort of always on. You know, that's one of the things we love about him. He's always on. He's always, you know, he's he's just interested in everything. And he's I one love, of those I people love, who just has it. it like when when you would put the interviews in there, Paul is just like a master every time. He, I mean, he's yes. very very careful and very thoughtful uh, about the way that he phrases everything about the the things he says and uh, things he says. Yes. I think thoughtful is the right word. Yeah. Now, he's just a really smart guy, yes. and he's very creative, and he, he's very curious. He remains curious, and, you know, he's just – he just loves to – you know, he's like Dylan. He just wants to keep, you know, doing it. He's not doing it for the money. I mean, they do it – they just love it. I mean, I think Clapton is at that place right now, mm-hmm. too, where he just, he just wants to play. Yeah. You know, Van Morrison is another one. You know, Neil Young just keeps putting out albums. Right. I mean, they just love what they do. It's it's what they do. They just create all the time. It's not about the business. It's no. about being creative. Yeah, and and bless all people like that. And you can you can uh, you know you talk about passion. Uh, some say it can't be faked. And uh, when you look at someone like McCartney, uh, you say, yeah, can't. Yeah. Um, Bob Dylan says you can't buy feel. <laughs> yeah. And you can't and uh, can't buy me love either. Right. Hey, all right. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play all my love in. I, I want to say, Steve, uh, before I let you go, you want to talk about this weekend at uh, the Pan Am Hotel and uh, what you'll be doing. And um, also, thank you for joining us this morning. Yes, thank you. It's actually the TWA Hotel. Oh, okay. I think it used to be the Pan yeah. Am Building or something, or some Pan Am Terminal or something like that. Is and it's, that it's what it all is? Weekend. I was wondering yeah. about that because, you know, yeah. I always see people posting from the TWA Hotel, and I didn't right. re- realize that that's, that's what it is. I was always yes, like, what is that's that? where it will be held. It's okay. a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And uh, on Saturday at 1215, I'm going to be interviewed by Darren DeVivo from WFUV in the Bronx. Fantastic. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be there signing my book all weekend, and there's just so much going on there. Uh, my friend Billy J. Kramer, part of the British Invasion, he will be there. Uh, Lawrence Duber and Steve Holly from Wings will be there. Jenny Boyd uh, will be there. She was with the Beatles in India. Uh, I mean, there's just, it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's the 50th anniversary of the fest and the 60th anniversary of the Beatles landing in America. 
And I, th- I think uh, they said there's already going to be like 1,400 people there. Oh, wow. You know, att- attending. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, seeing some of the Beatle people that I know, some of the other authors. And um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Do you have a Do you have a website or where can, uh, you know, I usually encourage folks to ask their local bookstore for the book, even if it's not on the shelves, because usually uh, the folks are happy to order it for them. Uh, but where can people find out more information about Act Naturally and about you, Steve? Yeah, I mean, you can order it through Amazon or, you know, Barnes & Noble's website. Or I've seen it in the Barnes & Noble stores. I think, you know, if you if you go to the independent stores, I know some of the record stores have it. The book is available, like, all over the world. It's amazing. I'm, it's incredible. We were in London last summer, and they had copies there, and so it's exciting. I'm all over social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into all of that. What's you can your, find what's me. your handle? Is it, like, at Steve Mateo? It's it's all it's all different. I think okay. I think it's I think it's Matteo Media is Ooh. is what I use. Don't ask me why I oh, do did that. Oh, did I say? Did I say? I have name I have no idea. Is it Steve That's Instagram. I just I just I don't know why I picked it. It was you know I was one of these early adopters to sort of email and and social media. Good for you. So at the time, why I chose these things, I don't know. But it, I'm easy to find. You just you yeah, just I Google me. You. I'm I'm around. Yeah, but I'm I, there. But, I'm on. I, but p- apologies, <laughs> apologies for uh, saying Matteo. So it's no, Steve, you know, people pronounce Steve it both Matteo? ways. And do you prefer and you that? Could, you could pronounce it either way. You can call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for kickoff. I got you. <laughs> I got you. All right. So we'll see you this weekend at the TWA Hotel for the fiftieth uh, anniversary fest for Beatle fans. Of course, yesterday the sixtieth anniversary of the arrival of the Beatles. Into the States Uh, tomorrow will be the uh, 60th anniversary of the Beatles playing this on the Ed Sullivan Show. I'm Gianna Volpe. That was Steve Matteo. Uh, This is the Fab Four. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to the Heart Morning and Midnight Show, underwritten by William Riss Gallery on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Tomorrow I'll miss you. Remember I'll 
Oh, yes. All right, we got all my friends, the revivalists, and then we'll lead you into the NPR news break with uh, Matt Kolsch and Georgia Ferrochi. A nice shout out to our friends on the Connecticut side of the sound with all my friends leading you into the NPR news break at the top of the hour here on WLIWFM. I'm in my 20s, living reckless. So turn the hourglass over and respect this. It's a brand new world, I got a brand new heart. And every day I make a brand new start. I'm in my 20s, not in a hurry. I got a bulletproof chest so you can hurt me. It's a brand new world, I got a brand new heart. And every day I get a brand new start. I'm a shaker and I'm a mover Got a vision coming from afar Gonna take me back to where you are I'm in my 20s, now getting restless Got some hip now on my diamond necklace It's a brand new world, I got a brand new heart And every day I get a brand new start some love out to all my friends listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Yeah. 
been a while since we've seen this play Let it all out, break away from the race Dancing around with that smile on your face and It brings me Take on this old town Tap your glass Make it last Time always goes by so fast One last night To pretend There will never be an end It brings me With Long Island local news on Thursday, February 8th, 2024, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Suffolk County voters should get the chance to vote this fall on a broad new source of water quality protection funding that was kept off last year's ballot by political gamesmanship after county political and environmental leaders announced a new agreement to reintroduce the enabling legislation. Michael Wright reporting on 27East.com that the renewed proposal calls for a referendum in November asking voters to approve the creation of a new one-eighth percent sales tax countywide that will fund a broad expansion of sewering and septic system upgrades to stanch the negative impacts of wastewater on tidal bays and harbors, fresh water ponds, and underground drinking water supplies. Quote, the future of this county depends on water, clean water, Suffolk County Executive Ed Romaine said this past Monday at a press conference announcing the initiative. Quote, it's time to take a stand. Let's do sewers where we can. Let's do IA systems where we can. Let's make sure we always have clean water. Republican legislator Kevin McCaffrey, the presiding officer of the Suffolk County Legislature, said that enabling legislation to create the new sales tax has been re, uh, has been introduced to the state legislature and is expected to be quickly approved and signed by the governor, giving the ledge the power to create the tax and put the approval referendum on the ballot this fall. The measure would need just a simple majority of voters to affirm it to be made law. 
The tax is expected to generate more than $50 million per year, which will be split between the extension of sewers in densely populated areas and the installation of nitrogen-reducing septic systems at individual homes and businesses, as called for in the 50-year water quality improvement master plan drafted by former county executive Steve Ballone's administration. In other news, a growing number of applications for docks and bays and harbors along Shelter Island's shoreline has raised concerns among town officials about the long-term environmental impacts and safety. Joe Workmeister reporting on Newsday.com that the town board on Monday adopted a three-month moratorium on dock permit approvals. A pause official said gives them time to revise the town code in the face of accelerated waterfront development. The board approved the moratorium in a split vote, 3-2-1. And finally, Spanish-speaking community members are calling on the Riverhead Board of Education to increase language accessibility at school board meetings and during other interactions. Alec Lewis reporting on riverheadlocal.com that the request came primarily from members of the Education Committee for the Immigrant Center of Alliance, Solidarity and Accompaniment, CASA, and the Rural and Migrant Ministry, who raised the concern during the January 23rd school board meeting. School district officials said a translator has been present for recent meetings, but acknowledged the service has not been announced, either in meeting notices nor at the meetings themselves. 63% of students enrolled in the district are Hispanic, or Latino, according to state education department statistics. Staying in Riverhead for the weather, looking like a sunny Thursday in Riverhead with a high near 44 degrees. Northeast wind around 5 miles per hour becoming south in the afternoon. Tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 29 degrees. South wind around 6 miles per hour. Right now, it's 44 degrees. And getting back to our playlist I took a bunch of tracks out. I can't believe I'm going to play Casey and JoJo's all my life. Oh, my gosh. I feel like it's been since 97 that I heard this song. Probably not. I'm exaggerating. Uh, Foo Fighters on the on deck after that all my life. Just to, uh, I thought it would be a nice pairing. Uh, Joan Baez, All My Trials after that. Really uh, spreading it out as I like to do. Sleeping with sirens, all my heart, bleachers, all my heroes. But first, it's all my shades of blue. It's the title track to the Ruin Brothers 2018 record right here on the All My Edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Music you love, uh, news you can trust on 88.3 FM throughout eastern Long Island in coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online. Same place uh, that you can donate uh, from anywhere. WLIW.org slash radio. Miss tambourine. I hear them as the record goes wrong Oh, sweet melodies But the chords are ringing a little too loud No, it's not black and white 
I was singing along in the studio. Living for segues like this and hoping that you do as well and appreciate them. You're listening to The Heart on WLIWFM, NPR Radio.
It's like my love song to my interviews. I really loved this morning's chat with Steve Matteo. Hush, little baby, don't you cry. And this track. You know your mama. From Joan Baez's self-titled record from 1960.
Joan Baez, All My Trials, on the All My edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show, Sleeping with Sirens, Bleachers, Frank Sinatra, Steel Eye Span, the Boswell Sisters, Caroline Doctorow, and Mississippi John Hurt, leading you into the top of the hour, the next NPR news break, and the end of the All My edition of the Heart. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. Listening to WLIWFM. Waste their whole 
Today I may not have a thing at all Except for just a dream or two But I've got lots of plans for tomorrow And all my tomorrows belong to you Right now, it may not seem like spring at all We're drifting and the laughs are few But I've got rainbows planned for tomorrow 
And all my tomorrows belong to you No one knows better than I That luck keeps passing me by That's fate But with you there by my side I'll soon be turning that tide Just wait As long as I've got arms that cling at all It's you I'll be clinging to And all the dreams I dream, beg or borrow On some bright tomorrow Will all come true And all my bright tomorrows belong to you. It's you that I'll be clinging to And all the dreams I dream, beg or borrow On some bright tomorrow They will all come true And all my bright tomorrows belong From the chairman of the board to steel eye span, you get a little bit of it all here on WLI WFM's The Heart of the East End. All around my hat, I will wear the green willow, and all around my hat for a twelve-month and a day. And if anyone should ask me, The reason why I'm wearing it It's all for my true love Who's far, far away
And if anyone should ask me the reason why I'm wearing it, it's all gone. Put all your eggs in one basket. The only time that's been wise is when you've tuned in. W L I W F M. Sorry, that's very heavy-handed. I'm just being playful. If you're looking for local music, Caroline Doctorow on deck. The one and only Mississippi John Hurt leading you into the NPR news break. These are the Boswell sisters. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. Get to my room 
Caroline Doctorow and Mississippi John Hurt on WLIWFM. I'm well, Jenna Volpe, and I will talk to you again I tomorrow I like this at 9.06. Seem like I have. I don't know. It's worry, trouble, or something. I like it, trouble. Trouble ahead all my days. Had it all my day. Trouble had it all my day. Seemed like trouble gonna carry me to my grave. Just couldn't keep from crying 